Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, y'all? This is Tim Einenkel. Welcome to the library. Today we talked to Blueprint, who just wrote a book, The Making of Adventures in Counterculture. Check us out on www.rapstation.com. Blueprint, welcome to the library with Tim Einenkel. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the Making of Avengers and Counterculture. Uh, it's also the same name as your album. Why go? Why the book with the album? Uh, the book with the album, I think it kind of started when after the album came out. I mean, I had an idea before once I saw that it was going to take me like five years to finish the record. <laughs> I, I kind of It kind of dawned on me that people would have a lot of questions about exactly what took me so long. Uh, the circum- and then when I knew that Musically, it would be a stylistic departure. Hmm. I started having the idea to maybe, you know, look into writing a book or writing about it. Originally, I thought about it being like a series of blogs for my website. Hmm. But then as I got more into it, I thought that it could actually work well as a book. And uh, what also helped was just the questions that I saw myself getting after the album came out. There were a lot of questions and a lot of things that I thought would make a lot more sense if I just wrote a full-length uh, book about them. When, you, when 1988 came out, I was a huge fan of the album, and I definitely listened. And I, one thing that came out of this book was your the, the whole story about not wanting to sample anymore. Um, yeah. So I was wondering if you could kind of talk about that transition of sampling um, other people's music to writing your own, and then like, what are the advantages and the disadvantages of doing that as a, as, just as an artist? Sampling, number one, is my foundation. Like, everything I know about creating hip-hop definitely started with sampling. I mean, I was doing other music before I was doing hip-hop, but sampling was definitely my entry into uh, creating hip-hop and collecting vinyl. And so I hold sampling in, like, a real special place, and I, and I love the artists who can do it uh, really well, you know, especially like taking things that are, that sound one, one way, taking them out of their context and reintroducing them to an audience who has no idea uh, where they came from. Like, I'm a huge, huge fan and supporter of that. Um, my movement away from sampling came when I, around 2005 to 2006, when I started kind of running into problems with um, things that I couldn't get out, you know, like there were, there was an issue with, um, I had two beats or two songs that were supposed to be on a Mr. Lift record. Mm. And I remember we had turned in a record of Def Jux. And the first thing Def Jux asked was, you know, who are the samples you're using? And so when I turned to my list of samples, they were like, well, 
we can't put these on the album now. Oh, wow. um, and then LP remixed those songs, you know. So the, the lyrics are still on that Mr. Lift um, album, the Mo Mega album. But like two of those songs were originally to beats that I made, but could not, you know, they couldn't release because the, the label didn't want to take the chance at getting sued. And so that was one of the, the spearheads in me moving away from sampling that experience. Then just uh, I knew that RJD2 had gotten sued. The reason they were so on top of Mr. Lift was because he had gotten sued for his I Phantom album. Right. You know, and these are lawsuits that are in the, you know, twenty, forty thousand dollar range, tens of thousands of dollars. They're not like cheap lawsuits. So I started started looking at it that way, and I started just looking at some of the opportunities I had for licensing music. Um, there were chances we had to license music around that time. Like, I think there was there was even some talk about, like, the song Hand Me Downs, which was on the Soul Position, Things Go Better album. There was a point where I heard there was interest in Apple using that, you know, until they found out it was a sample that was unclear. Oh, interesting. And so seeing all these opportunities kind of slip um, at, at that point. And plus, I had already started kind of uh, wanting to, to add more instrumentation to my music. I was playing a lot of shows with bands, uh, being around a lot more musicians, and this made me want to start incorporating more music into my, my own music. And so uh, all of those things combined kind of sent me to a place where I saw that my future as someone who sampled heavily would be very limited, but the potential to uh, to do more, like if I could learn how to how to play and how to create my own melodies, a lot more doors would be open. We're speaking to uh, Blueprint, who just wrote a book, The Making of Adventures in Counterculture. I want to get into the book and some of the stories behind the book. Um, I want to talk about, it's on page 56, it's your the, the song So Alive and the story behind that. Um, yeah. Can you, one, just kind of talk about the process of making that song? And then you also say that this was a hard lesson learned because being emotionally attached to a, to the art is dangerous. I want to kind of, if you could explain to the listeners, what do you mean by that? As artists, we create things, pieces of art that every, that all have a element of of personal attachment to them. They all have stories behind them uh, that have nothing to do with the music itself. For example... Um, if I find a record that took me two years to find and I sampled that and made a song out of it, that contributes to my attachment to that song. You know, if I, if I am going through something really specific at the time and it takes me, um, you know, six months, eight months to really, really nail it down and write that music, then I become very emotionally attached to it. And I'm attached to the process not necessarily the product. Mm. And whenever we have those emotional attachments, it makes it very difficult for us to make um, objective decisions about our art. You know, we can't. It's hard for us to get rid of certain songs because certain songs mean certain things to us that have nothing to do with how they sound, you know. And so that struggle, and that is something I have, I learned and had to kind of go through with was so alive where I was attached emotionally to the process I had went through and building it so much so that the idea of changing it uh, was something that I didn't want to do. Like I couldn't make myself do it for several months. And it was, um, that was kind of how I learned that lesson. 
I had to take a step back from it and look at it and say, hey, you know, what are you really attached to and why is it that you're so unable to make a change to the song? And then I realized it was because the process, you know, I was in love with the process and I felt like changing the song would have tainted that process. And I want to go into another, uh, you, you, you have another story about uh, kind of confronting your quote-unquote faults as an artist. And that's, um, and I really, I, I, I reread it today before this interview, but I really like the story of uh, Rise and Fall. You could kind of just talk about the song, what it means, how how you go about it. But then you, but then you also talk about that it it you also were you had to confront again your what you, you what you call your inflexibility as an artist. Um, once again, yeah. What does that what you know what what does what does that mean for you? Um, what's the what was your inflexibility as an artist? A lot of my inflexibility came from all the rules and or uh, I don't want to necessarily call them limitations, but there definitely are rules that are there spoken and unspoken about doing conventional hip-hop and i was coming out of doing you know the 1988 record and so i still had all of those rules intact about sampling what to sample how to sample when you should use certain things um because there's definitely a template for how those records were made as well as you know a template for how we kind of initiate each other into the hip-hop community and I think I was very much attached to all of those rules. And being attached to those rules uh, made it very hard for me to not have an agenda and to be inflexible when it came time to create, you know. There's another part, there's another story in the song, uh, story in the book, I'm sorry. Um, and it's a kind of a quote that um, it kind of stands out to me. It's when you're talking about uh, mind, body, and soul. Uh, you have yeah. the, you know, uh, there are the following lyrics in the song, which you say is Mastery is the highest mountain you can climb, but at the peak, it might make you lose your mind. I know the and then you say to, to be truly great at something, you may have to open your mind up to a place where it has no barriers. So as an artist, is it is it kind of nerve wracking for you to, quote unquote, be truly great? I mean, are you worried about losing your mind? Uh, when I was freestyling, I was worried about losing my mind more, <laughs> you know, because I couldn't close it. I, I didn't have the control then. I was... I was really good when I was really good at it, but I definitely had those preoccupations more then. I was I was more worried about taking my mind somewhere where I couldn't shut it down then than now. I think now I've learned to control it more, but I do think that um, to be great, you really have to give up a lot, mm. and you really have to give up all the expectations, and you can't be worried about rules and boundaries. You have to be willing to push and every instance and, and in every corner be willing to not accept the normal thing that you would do and just take what your mind tells you to do. You know, like that's the beauty of freestyling. It's not that people say amazing things all the time. Right. It's that their mind goes somewhere where you can really hear it say things that they would never say in real life. You know, the filters are gone. And I think that's what I've strived to try to create when I'm just making music, you know. Right. What's the best way to, to you know, get the book and the album, uh, The Making of, of Adventures in Counter- Counterculture? Uh, they can go to printmatic.net, P-R-I-N-T-M-A-T-I-C.net. That's my website. Or they can get the uh, ebook version on Amazon.com. You know, if you've got the Kindle, if you've got the... Uh, 
iPad, you can get the Kindle Reader plug-in for your iPad. You can still get it from Amazon. Cool. The name of the book is The Making of Avengers and Counterculture, and the artist is Blueprint. Uh, Blueprint, thanks so much for joining us on And You Don't Stop with Chuck D. Thanks for having me on. The rhyme's much more than words thrown together. If it's kind of five guys trying to grow together against all odds, like they didn't know no better. Some let go, others holding on forever. But it seems so far away, especially when you want to have it all today. So the kids can have a yard to play. And we ain't gotta grind till we all in gray. Since he was a kid, he would dream big. Now those dreams he used to have don't seem big. Cause he appreciates how real the dream Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.